Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! All right, all right, all right. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Thursday, June the 14th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the greatest treasure of the last decade in Dolphins history speaks at OTAs. We'll get you caught up on everything Cam Wake said in his very compelling press conference today. We'll check in with Quentin Poling, Cornell Armstrong, and Isaiah Ford, and also get to your Twitter questions. Plus, Jarvis Landry just cannot keep his damn mouth shut. All of that and more. But first, can you guys please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts? Leave us a rating and a review once you are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. You guys saw me live tweeting the press conferences the last couple of days, especially Cam Wakes today on Wednesday. I do that throughout the course of the season for training camp, for preseason, for the games, all kinds of live tweeting all year round. So find that at Wingfield NFL. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast. Again, I am Travis Wingfield, your go-to source for all things Miami Dolphins every single day. Been doing that for the last 10 years. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast right off with the press conferences. That's another Miami Dolphins. So Cam wakes up to the podium first, and it was just... I've never really been so compelled by a football press conference And it really didn't have much to do with football. Sure, that was the underlining theme of the entire thing. And and that's what his profession is. That's what he does all this stuff for. But just the way he spoke about life and the sacrifices he makes to get the most out of what he wants to be as a professional, it was just super enlightening. And we'll touch on that here in a minute. But the very first thing that I saw was him laughing at a question that was clearly from Omar Kelly. You know that voice when you hear it who mentioned something about talking about Robert Quinn's bend. And then Omar said, I've seen your bend. Whose bend is better? And Cam just laughed at him. And he said, that's for you guys to figure out about the quote unquote bend. So he just laughed at him, made fun of him pretty good. But let's go ahead and get into the main topic of this entire presser. And I wrote an article about it up on LockdownDolphins.com. It's about sacrifice. And that was the reason that came up was because Cam was wearing a shirt that said sacrifice across the chest. He talked about how there are so many poles in life that can pull you away from what you want to accomplish and these mitigating factors that prevent you from becoming what you want to become, whether it's fishing, golfing, the sunshine in South Florida, partying, girls, whatever it is, you're going to have to sacrifice to see the results that you want. And he talks about conveying that message to the rookies, telling these rookies that they're already in a better position than he was at that point in his career. And he's just a phenomenal example in that way, talking about how a lot of guys listen, some guys won't, and you'll never know the ones that do not listen. So he was very to the point about how much he takes this seriously and how much effort he puts into becoming the player that he is. They asked him about his physical condition, says that he feels good, and he preached the wisdom aspect of the game for how to prolong his career, how to work smarter and not harder. They asked him about sacrificing fried food and alcohol. He did it back in 2005. 
And they asked, is like he asked himself, is the sacrifice worth it? I always, I'm always asked, is this worth it? What's a cheat meal like for you? What's a cheat day like for you? And he said, this isn't a cheat thing. There's no, there's no cheat meals in this lifestyle because it's not just a regimen. It's a lifestyle. This is my life. That's what I do. And for him, one additional sack throughout the course of an entire career is worth all of that sacrifice. And he just looks at himself like on a third and 10 situation where a guy to his right might be banged up and injured. A guy to his left might be tired and sore and can't go, but there he is ready to take the next step and get that big play because he takes care of his body and he'll always have that step because of all the sacrifices he's made. The, the beer, the alcohol, whatever it is, that stuff will be there in 10 years. That sack won't be there in 10 years. So he is very enlightening, very much a fantastic leader for this football team. They asked him where he wants to be in 10 years. He said that his his ultimate goal is freedom. And I didn't know this about him, but he's mentioned skiing in the Alps like three times in this press conference. He also talked about teaching young kids how to you know, become better football players and how to teach them life lessons, but talked about how freedom is his happiness. And you can tell that his freedom to him is skiing. So very interesting. I did not know he was a skier, a, a sportster in that way. But they also asked him about if he views himself more as a starter or as a pass rush specialist as it was back in 2016 when they kind of went back and forth on having him be more of a specialist compared to a starter. He says that he's always had the ability to be a starter. He still is. He views himself that way. But again, it goes back to working smarter, not harder. If that's the best interest in the team, then sure, I'm going to do that. You know, I don't want the pub or the publicity for any of this. I just want to help the defense get better every single day and contribute to the team the best that he possibly can. They also asked about Charles Harris and the mentorship role he's taken on with him. And he said that he almost enjoys that aspect of it as much as he does playing the game himself because when his career is over, he can't take that stuff with him. But the wisdom that he imparts and the knowledge that he imparts on these young guys, that carries on and lives on forever. So he views that as a success story for him. If these guys are happy and they're making money and they're getting paid and they're playing well, that's Cam Wake's success too. So what is it all worth to you? Are you willing to pay the price? Some guys are, some guys aren't. He is. That's Cam Wake in a nutshell. Just a really, really enlightening conversation. Check out the piece on LockdownDolphins.com. I wrote that up there today. That's up for you guys. You can see the video. I posted the link to the video on that column. We also have the Ryan Tannehill Week 13 charting project up on LockdownDolphins.com. All the press conference stuff is up there, so you guys don't have to miss anything with this football team. All on LockdownDolphins.com as well as the podcast. We have more pressers to get to here on this edition of the podcast and the Twitter mailbag. We'll do all of that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. I wanted to get to some Cameron Wake folklore, and I put out the question on Twitter, and you guys responded with some fantastic results. We're going to read those here shortly, but let's get to the other press conferences first before we get to the joking matters. They talked to Quentin Poling, Cornell Armstrong, and Isaiah Ford. Not a lot there. A lot of these younger guys tend to kind of toe the line. You're not going to get the enlightening stuff that you get from Cam Wake, but Quentin Poling is a pretty bright kid, and I can, I'm can i definitely rooting for him just because of the way he speaks and the way that you can tell that he really wants this to be his profession and his career and his lively all these guys do obviously but he really he really puts it out there in a way that is believable they asked him about what's he what's he going to do during the time off from now until late july he's going to stay in florida he's going to train there in order to get used to the heat it's hot i got to get used to it so great to hear that not going to get that same effect up in ohio where he's from a lot of these pressers, like I said, it's just about talking to the rookies about getting adjusted to what the game is and what these guys are throwing at them. They asked him about which players at the linebacker position he can watch and learn from them. And he, he made a really cool comment saying that 
you don't have to just watch the guys in your own position group. You can take things away from anyone, whether it's offense or defense. There are tons of great leaders on this team, and he tries to take examples from them every single day. But speaking about the defensive players, he specifically mentioned Cam Wake, pretty obvious. Robert Quinn, which is a cool one to hear, a new guy coming over. And then Raekwon McMillan just said that he's always in a good example for everybody else on the team on the field. So cool to hear that Raekwon is continuing to have this huge impact that he is as a second-year player, essentially a rookie that has not played at all in the NFL. He also mentioned that technique and leverage can make up for a lack of speed or athleticism. That's kind of where he prides himself, is just being technically sound and proficient in all the things that he does as a football player, not as an athlete. And then Cornell Armstrong spoke next, and he was pretty enlightening as well. You can tell that he has a a lot of confidence in himself and and a lot of hope for his future as a player. The biggest thing for him is just trusting what he sees, putting, putting in the work in the film, and just trusting it on the field, making sure he's where he needs to be. He asks all the veterans in the cornerback room, in the DB room, what he can do to separate himself every day. He mentioned Bobby McCain, TJ McDonald, Lip, Tony Lippett, and ex Xavier Howard. He got out of his shell because he was very shy at first and wanted to be up there with quote unquote those guys. So he started asking around, just trying to be one of the guys and not just a rookie in the background. He talked about Bobby McCain a lot, says he loves how physical he is, the fire that he brings. And Joe Shad asked him if seeing Bobby get paid as a fifth round draft pick and Cornell being a sixth round draft pick, what that's like. And Cornell said, that's all the motivation that I need seeing a guy like that kind of come up and improve every year and get himself in a position where he can provide for him himself and his family for the rest of his life. So laying a brick every single day to get better. If he makes a mistake, he's going to build on it the next day and make sure it doesn't happen again. So the right mindset, the same mindset as all these other guys. And then Isaiah Ford spoke as well, but it was mostly about his injury and coming back from that and the rehab and the regimen that he went through to get all that stuff straightened out. He is very confident that he'll make the roster and contribute, and he's comfortable playing inside or outside wherever they choose to put him. So those are the press conferences, kind of light on the back end. Cam Wake sold the show. Like I said, I highly recommend going and check that out. And all my live tweeting on the Cam Wake press conference brought in some very good Cam Wake folklore type tweets. We're going to go ahead and read those on the podcast now. I've got to get my tweet deck pulled up, and here we go. First one comes from Sutton, the soccer dad, at Sutton. Laces out. Good guy from the Finsider over there. One time, Cam Wake and John Denny had an arm wrestling contest. It gave birth to the Cosmos. Pretty good, Sutton. Next one from Kadeem Simmons, one of the writers here at Locked On Dolphins. If Loki and Thor had a Cameron Wake instead of a Hulk, Infinity War would have lasted about six minutes. I don't watch those movies, but I know what that means. That's absolutely hilarious. Steve at one Steve Hallett. Quarterbacks sack themselves when they see Cameron Wake coming their way. Absolutely, they do. Ron Kenneth, the former host of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Finn's Broadcaster. Cam Wake doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he wants. I love that one. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Uh, next one comes from Thomas at NashMax73. We talked about Cam Wake skiing today. Thomas says, when skiing, mountains need lifts to reach Cameron Wake's level. <laughs> Next one from Josh at JFranchise13. Cam Wake once challenged the Incredible Hulk to a a bench press contest. Loser had to paint himself green. I freaking love that one too. Next one, uh, I think this is the first one that I saw uh, that actually inspired the entire thread. This one comes from, dude, I don't know how to say your name at all. It's at Raistlinitzier. I completely lost on that one. Sorry about that. You can let me know on Twitter how bad I butchered that. But it was talking about Cam Wake and skiing. And he said, LOL, as if Cam Wake uses a lift to climb a mountain, talking about the ski lift, because I wanted to give him free lift tickets for life to coach the Dolphins and, and just be a mentor to these younger guys. So 
Tweet me your Cam Wake folklore stories. He's basically the Chuck Norris of this team. We are so unworthy of what he has been. The most underappreciated player I can recall in the NFL and for the Dolphins for sure. Just consistently one of the best pass rushers in terms of disrupting the passing game at a per snap basis, the efficiency, the way he attacks it, and the contract that he's been on for so many years, but such an underpaid pass rusher when you have guys making like $16, $17 million, like Olivier Vernon, for instance, and here's Cam Wake making $8, $9, $10 million a year, becoming one of the best pass rushers every single year. So just an absolute gem. Like I said, check out that press conference again on LockedOnDolphins.com. You will not regret watching that. He'll teach you something about your life as well as football too. So we have more to get to in the Locked On Dolphins podcast here including the Twitter mailbag. We'll do that next. Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. Final segment here on the Thursday podcast, the June the 14th Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And before we get to your Twitter questions, I just, I'm recording this early because I have softball tonight. As you guys well know, it is Wednesday. It is softball night. But I just got a tweet or something came across my desk talking about Jarvis Landry, talking about Ryan Tannehill once again. Just cannot keep his mouth shut and just keep to his own business up there in Cleveland. Whereas Ryan Tannehill's down here in Miami and not even talking about Jarvis Landry or anything. And one of the hosts of a question, I guess it was on the NFL Network on Up to the Minute Live coming up today on that program. Jarvis Landry was asked why he thinks he hasn't heard from Ryan Tannehill since he was traded. Landry said, I'm not surprised. We didn't really have a good relationship when I was down there anyway. So continues to throw fuel onto the fire, talking crap about his former quarterback. I hope he enjoys Tyrod Taylor up there because everything you do well, Jarvis, is where Tyrod Taylor struggles. Baker Mayfield's going to be a great quarterback for that team, I hope, for a long time, maybe as soon as Hugh Jackson gets out of there. And I'm looking forward to watching Baker Mayfield once all that stuff rolls out. But Jarvis Landry, I hope that your your career continues to go by the way that it did in 2017, where you became a very non-factor in the passing game. So continue to talk your words, say all that stuff. We know you're about the bravado and the talk and all the the flash and everything like you were last year about sweeping the New England Patriots. So continue to do that. Enjoy yourself in Cleveland. I hear it's a lovely place this time of year. All right, let's move on to the portion we all want to talk about, the Twitter mailbag for the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. You guys know the drill. I put out the call on Twitter. You respond with your questions. I answer them on the podcast and read your Twitter handle here. So the first question comes from J.D. Young. It's at my fryhole. Real question, what do you take away from Robert Quinn's OTA performance? I know no one has pads on, but it has to be inspiring, right? And I respond to you on Twitter. I was supposed to just read it on the podcast, but either way, I think it is because you're measuring right now speed, athleticism, and movement. Even Adam Gaze talked about it. This is all about movement. It's essentially a passing camp. So pass rushing goes into that as well. And the fact that he can transition back into this defense with a wider alignment to take advantage of his get-off the way Cam Wake does in this defense, I think it bodes well. And that the fact that he is healthy and looking good and in shape, just it bodes well for the Dolphins in general. I could see him getting back up to the same sack total he had last year, eight with the Rams down there. Next question comes from Yvonne. That's at I Sweetheart. Second question, is it Yvonne? I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Second question is, which road, which road game do you think the Dolphins will pull off a win, an upset win in? Uh, I, I'm not going to go with New England in the first game. I don't. I just. I'm not going to bet against the Patriots in Foxborough ever. The Bengals. I don't know if that would be an upset. That that is a good pass rush, and I expect the Bengals to be a lot better this year. The game against Houston. I, I'm not going to predict a win on a short week on Thursday. That's always a tough one. Green Bay's a tough game. Indy should be a win. Minnesota and at Buffalo. I think Buffalo's the obvious one, the easy one to pick. Um, that's a tough question. I, <laughs> these games are tough. I'm going to go with the with the Packers. I think that maybe the Packers could be in a position midseason where they might have a letdown. You never know what could happen with injuries. And this schedule is just brutal in terms of the road the road uh, slate that they have ahead of them. 
The Vikings are a tough one. I think the Colts and Bengals and Jets are games they should win. So probably at the Bills or, or at the Packers. I think the Bills might not be a big upset at that point of the year. So I'll be bold and I'll go ahead and say the Packers week 10. Maybe Rodgers has something else that bothers him in that game like he did last year. Next question comes from Chris Ballard. What do you think it will take for Tannehill to shake his reputation for mediocrity? Uh, football fans just to become smarter because he's not a mediocre quarterback. He's a good quarterback. So that's an easy one. Next question comes from... Yvonne again, uh, first question, oh, she had two questions. So her first question was, besides our division rivals, which team do you think will be the most challenging game for the Dolphins this season? What strategy must be implemented both offensively and defensively to win? Man, you're really giving me some good stuff today. So which which opponent besides division rivals gives us the biggest nightmare? I would say the Houston Texans because Deshaun Watson is a type of quarterback that has just killed this defense for so long. And obviously the short week does not help. Short week on the road. It's always, it's a scheduled loss. We'll just call it what it is. Dolphins have done it for four years in a row. You do not win those games for the most part. And just being able to handle a quarterback like Deshaun Watson that can break the pocket, that can kill you with his legs, the, the way you're going to have to do that is to try to hem him in in some way. Obviously, you're going to want to put a spy on the field. Those defensive ends love to get up the field. You're going to have to collapse the pocket from the interior. So that's where guys like Akeem Spence and Jordan Phillips are going to have to have big days. And hopefully, Raekwon can have a spy on him and just keep him within that pocket. As far as offensively, you got to protect the passer against those guys too. Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt, two of the best pass pushers in the game, haven't really had a chance to play together healthy it, with the Texans down there. But the Dolphins did a good job mitigating the Chargers last year with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa with Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James in that game. So hopefully they can have the same success there. So keeping the pass rush off of Ryan Tannehill and trying to find a way to keep, Ty, uh, not Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson from killing us with his legs would be the best one there. Great questions there. Next question comes from the man, the myth. That's at the man, the man, the myth 45. He asks, which current Miami Dolphin hates the Jets and other rivals as much as Jason Taylor did? That's an awesome question too. I would say Bobby McCain, just because he said that Tom Brady is his most hated player and that Danny Amendola was his second most hated player in the league. So we'll go with him. He's pretty fiery. He's pretty revved up and loves playing the Patriots. We saw the, the video after he got the dub on Monday night against the Patriots. He was all jacked up. Next question comes from Angel Contreras. That's at A underscore Contreras 88. Do you plan on attending, attending any games this year? Which ones? I was thinking about it. I'm not quite sure yet. My buddy Kevin Dern out in Cincinnati, week five, we were talking about going and visiting him and seeing that game. But I still want to see Hard Rock Stadium, so maybe a home game. I'm not quite sure yet, so I don't have an answer for that one yet. Next question comes from GCast28. That's at GCast28. Who do you think the other two starting linebackers will be? Baker, Anthony, do you see polling, unseating Kiko? I think that you don't really have three starting linebackers to begin with. A nickel cornerback is a starter. He plays 75% compared to the linebacker playing about 25 to 30%. But I think the number three one will be Jerome Baker. I think he's going to have a chance to knock off Kiko for a job. And I do think polling makes the roster in some capacity, even though this is a deep linebacker group. But I think that Baker will be the third linebacker behind Kiko and eventually supplant him for the number two job. Next question is <laughs> JD Young again at my fry hole. I usually don't entertain the non-football questions, but I'll do, I'll do this one. When you go to training camp in August, are you going to stay with Omar? I feel like that's a sitcom waiting to happen. That would be hilarious. Bill Burr has a great joke about how all the sitcoms in the late 90s, early 2000s with the one black guy and the one white guy was always the black guy teaching the white guy how to become cooler and like loosen up. And I thought that was pretty funny and a good comparison there. Next question comes from Caleb Stevens. From what you've seen on film, is it safe to say that Tankersley will be above average starter next year opposite 
opposite Xavier Howard. That's Caleb Stevens at Caleb S8. I think that he does have an opportunity to be, I think he's a very smart player, a very heady player. And he obviously has the big measurables too, coming from Clemson. Most of those guys are pretty good athletes. And he really graded out well from Ian Wharton's cornerbook handbook. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, at NFL Film Study, the cornerback manual for the 2017 season. Very good stuff there. Cordray Tankersley graded out very well there. And I think he has some good stuff on tape as well. And that will do it for the Twitter mailbag. I thought I had one more. I do not, but that's going to do it for the mailbag. And uh, like I said, we got softball tonight, guys. Our 6-0 record goes on the line tonight. We are a couple guys down, but we should be able to weather the storm. We're a pretty deep team, a pretty loaded team. But as for this podcast, that will do it, guys. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. LockedOnDolphins.com for your daily written Dolphins content needs. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.